Worried Writer, helping you to overcome fear, self-doubt and procrastination to get the work done. I'm your host, Sarah Painter, and I'm a novelist and self-confessed worried writer. For show notes, resources and much more, please head to worriedwriter.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 43 of The Worried Writer. I am recording this on Thursday the 30th of August 2018 on a decidedly autumnal day here in Scotland. We have had a fantastic hot summer but I am really pleased to sort of feel the cooler air and see the blackberries coming out in the hedgerows. I absolutely love autumn and I feel very sort of energised and excited at this time of year. It's almost like another sort of new year for me, I think, because of associating it with the new school year for all those years um, in education. My guest today is thriller and science fiction author Paul Teague. Paul is a former broadcaster and journalist for the BBC, and he has transferred those skills to his fabulous podcast, Self-Publishing Journeys. One of the reasons I wanted to have Paul on the show is his refreshing honesty and openness about his own publishing business. In our chat, he talks about the money he has made and his future plans, as well as revealing the pain of comparing himself to others and his own struggles with self-doubt. In writing news, today I am finishing the rewrites on my new book, The Night Raven. I've revealed the cover um, online, which I'm absolutely thrilled with. And I've also had some fantastic responses from my first readers, which is a massive relief, as well as some really useful critique comments, which are helping me to just fine-tune the manuscript. It goes to the copy editor next week, and I should have review copies to send out by the end of the month. I've truly been enjoying myself with this book, and after um, finding Beneath the Water such a struggle, it's a breath of fresh air. I am filled with self-doubt, of course, especially as I start to prepare for it going out into the world to be read and judged, but at least I have been here before, and I know it'll be okay. It's just a book, after all. It's not life or death. And hopefully, some people will enjoy reading it as much as I have enjoyed writing it. And if not, at least I had fun writing it. I'll put a copy of the cover in the show notes, and also put a link to sign up for my fiction newsletter, just in case you fancy checking it out. Last month, I said that I was going to start writing a new book in August, and that hasn't really happened. I had a week off with my family for a trip to London, which was fantastic, And I have been doing various behind-the-scenes stuff, like my accounts, as well as doing rewrites. I also accidentally started book two of the Crow Investigation series um, instead of my planned project. So this month I will try to steer my muse back on track. But honestly, I'm not going to worry too much. The last few months have been so tough emotionally uh, that I'm inclined to just be very nice to my writer self and let her write whatever she wants, and be grateful that she still wants to write. And speaking of gratitude, a big thank you to my supporters on Patreon. I am so grateful to you. There are six patron-only audio extras now available, and these are accessible as soon as you become a supporter at the $2 per month rate. You can support me for as long or as short a time as you like. 
and the next audio extra will go up in the middle of September. I will be answering a question about NaNoWriMo and offering some tips. So a big thank you and welcome to new patrons, Belinda Dix, Clara Thompson, and Sabrina Kine. If you are interested in becoming a supporter of this show, do head over to patreon.com forward slash worried writer. And that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com. Just a short introduction this month, but I did want to give you a book recommendation. As you may know, I published my writing mindset book, Stop Worrying, Start Writing, independently, making me into a hybrid author. I took the decision to view my writing as a business, and that has really helped with my stress levels and anxiety, as it gives me an element of control over at least some of my books. I'm continuing to develop my hybrid career, publishing independently as well as with publishers like Lake Union. However, to help me to have the confidence to do this, and to sort of keep up my spirits when I'm feeling self-doubt about this approach, I bought The Indie Author Mindset by Adam Croft. Now, Adam Croft is a massively successful independently published author. He has more than 1.5 million books sold to date, and he's just one of the biggest selling authors of the past few years. He's also a thoroughly nice guy, and I highly recommend this book. Even if you're traditionally published or aiming that way, I think there is lots to be gained from approaching your writing with a professional mindset. And Adam's book is very encouraging and useful for developing that attitude. I will put a link to the book in the show notes. As ever, I am so grateful to you for listening to the show and for all your shares and retweets and for subscribing and reviewing the podcast. If you've got a question that you would like answered on the show or a suggestion for how I can improve the show, do get in touch at sarah at worriedwriter.com. Before the interview, I just want to give a quick shout out to some lovely folk on Twitter. Mags Lisk, who's at Mags Lisk, said, I am currently reading Stop Worrying, Start Writing by Sarah Painter, and it is both wonderfully comforting and inspiring. Thank you, Mags. Elizabeth Span Craig, who is at Elizabeth S. Craig, is well worth following. Um, she does these fantastic roundups of writing links, and she featured my blog, Is It Time to Hit the Reset Button on Your Writing Life, in her roundup this month. Katie Lovell, who is at Katie5678, and Amy Horton, who is at Amy Horton. Amy said that she has started the podcast from the beginning and that you genuinely have made me feel less of a fraud. Thank you, Amy, and I'm so glad. And now, on to the interview section of the show. Paul Teague writes sci-fi and dystopian fiction, as well as thrillers under the name Paul J. Teague, and non-fiction books. Paul is a former broadcaster and journalist for the BBC, and he has transferred those skills to his fabulous podcast, Self-Publishing Journeys. Welcome to the show, Paul, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm delighted to be here, Sarah. I've wanted to be a guest for ages, so it's like, (laughs) hooray, I'm on (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Um, I was hoping that we could just kick things off by going right back to the beginning. Um, and if you could just tell us how you got started writing fiction. I wrote my first book 
when I was age nine, and it was called <laughs> The Adventures of Mr. Plum and Mr. Apple. And why I mention that is because I still have typewritten rejection letters from Penguin, and I have one from Pan Books. And uh, they were ever so nice. And the advice they gave was get the writers and artists yearbook, which is still advice you would give to somebody now. This was 1970, 70 something, 76, 75, something like that. So old I am. So I, I, I started really early. I used to write uh, stories at school. A teacher used to love reading them. When I was a teenager, I used to write for the village magazine. When I was training to be a teacher for my dissertation, I wrote a picture story book then. I always said these things off. Nothing ever happened to them. You know what it's like. Uh, I went to competitions at Radio One um, when in the old days, years ago. And then um, real life comes in, doesn't it? And you have to earn a living and you have kids and you have to pay all these bills. So uh, I didn't write anything for a long time. And then picked it up. I took voluntary redundancy from the Beeb in 2010. Uh, and then I'd, I put in for a contract and didn't get it. And I thought I was going to get it. I thought it was a dead cert and I bid too high. And so I was like an actor who's out of work. I thought, Oh, right. That's interesting. I don't have anything on now for the next three months. And so I, I uh, had been recommending that my wife and child uh, and sister enter a book competition and none of them had. And I thought, well, I might as well do it. So I did the first 5,000 words for that and then thought, fantastic, that's me written again. And then realized that they wanted the whole book. If I got anywhere in it, they wanted the whole book written. I thought, well, I'd better write the other 45,000 then and get this book finished. So that's kind of how I ended up writing. And I, and I loved it. When I came back to it, I just instantly loved it. it. Just like I picked up from when I was, you know, 15, 16, really, I guess, and uh, just wanted to do it. That's fantastic. And I, I love the matter of fact way you say, oh, well, you know, I needed the whole book, so I did it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so these days, I mean, I, I listen to your podcast. I absolutely love it. I'll be putting a link in the show notes. Um, but I have to admit that it does inspire a tiny bit of writerly envy in me because you will quite cheerfully say, oh, you know, I've done my 5,000 words for today. And you seem incredibly um, regular in your process. And I, I was just hoping that you could sort of talk a wee bit about how you get the writing done. Yeah, ever since I was um, 16, I've been a, a, a kind of formulas guy. So the only way I can cope with life, really, is to parcel it up. Um, and this was right back to exams when I was doing O-levels and A-levels as they were in those days, and, and even, even my degree. I've still got them in the loft, actually, uh, meticulous plans that allow me to take something that's very big, so three A-levels or nine O-levels, and to know that if I start revising and working at a certain date that's a, a, a point out of the distance, I will arrive on time at my destination. I don't do panic. I don't like surprises. I build in buffer times in that. And that's kind of how I've always been. It's how I cope with life is I have to, um, you know, parcel it up, portion it up. Uh, and then I know I'm going to arrive where I need to be at the given time. I don't really like surprises in life. That's I, I think is true. So, um, so time management is, you know, is, is a big thing for me. Um, everything, if I, I, I know you're audio only, but I'll hold this up for your benefit. <laughs> this is, this is, I'm planned out till December, January. That's, I'm planned out till, uh, on my, on my weekly planning sheet. And I have a, a, a whiteboard to my left here, which has my big quarterly goals on. So I am, I'm, uh, that doesn't mean that plans can't change. Uh, mm -hmm. this is why I always have buffers in there, but I am planned out. You know, very, very wide and always have been because, um, to me, that's how I hit my goals. Mm -hmm. And in, in terms of your, your sort of writing routine, um, I believe you don't write every day. Uh, is it right that you sort of schedule writing days? Is that how that works? 
Yes, I have to. So uh, just like O levels and A levels, I say uh, I'm writing a 90,000 word book at the moment, for instance. So I, I know um, that I can write 5,000 words a day. So therefore, I know I needed 18 days to write a 90,000 word. This is draft one, of course. This isn't just this isn't perfect. This is draft one. So uh, I know exactly now how many days it takes me to write a book. So I I work uh, in a day job, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, there's some flexibility around Thursdays, Fridays, because I have other contracts where sometimes I deliver corporate training and I can be doing other things. But generally, I, I can count those days as free. So I, I pretty well work out what free days I've got on Thursdays and Fridays. My wife, my wife works part time. She works Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, except once every three weeks when she works a Saturday. So I work, I can work a Saturday sometimes as well when she's out the house because I can, I can focus. Um, so that, those are my kind of maneuverable days. I work out how many words I'm writing. Um, and I, I pencil it all in and that's, that's how a book gets done. So I know exactly when it's first draft's going to be written. I can tell mm-hmm. an editor when, when I need you, I then set a date. I think, well, the editor will take so long with it, depending on the length. And that's when I set the pre-sale date for. So it's all carefully calculated. Okay. And those are those chunks of writing. Again, I'm going to press you on this, but how, how do you get that done? I mean, that seems like a very large word count in a day if it's a 5,000 word day. I've just done one now before you and I spoke. So, uh, it, it funny, it doesn't trouble me. I, I would feel funny if I didn't write 5,000 now. So it's just how um, I'm balanced. Um, did you ever do Belbin when you were in corporate? You know, Bel- uh, uh, it's a Belbin, is it psychometric tests or something okay, like that? Uh-huh. They're, they're very big in the corporate world, you know, when they're trying to work out how they're going to make you redundant. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm what's known as a finisher completer in Belbin terms. So I'm only happy when things are finished. I don't like works in progress. I, I judge my life. And this is probably why I say what I do on the podcast. I judge it by achieving goals. I, you know, I judge it by targets. I don't judge it by promises and, and hopes. I, I, <laughs> I, I judge it on deliverables. I'm only uh-huh. interested in deliverables. And that's why I get decide, excited about, um, which often sounds like you're quite being quite cruel with yourself, but that's just that's sort of just, you know, that's just kind of how I do it. So with 5,000 words, I know that I can write 1,700 words in an hour. Um, so, um, my, my day is perfectly timed. This morning, my wife leaves for work. 20 to 10 i start writing by 10 i have a timer i i i know what i'm writing so the night before i've already planned out in, in sketch form what i'm writing today so i write formulaically so i uh, i've written a chapter today and each chapter will have three parts mm-hmm. each chapter each, each part will have roughly 1700 words not not dead on but that's uh-huh. what i write to um and then that's uh, just over 5000 words in a day so the minute my wife's out cup of tea I always have a cup of tea. Uh, cup of tea. Um, everything goes off, and I write uh, constantly for an hour till I've hit that 1,700. Quick um, bathroom break and tea break or water break, uh, and then I'm back. Uh, that's a quarter of an hour break. Sit down, do it again. Quick break, and um, often slightly longer because that's lunchtime then. So I maybe I, I very quickly I, I have a scoot around the cupboards, find there's nothing in there I can't I can make fast. So today it was like a banana sandwich, <laughs> very quickly, banana sandwich down me, and then I'm back for the last hour. So I know my wife's back. She finishes work at 2, but she's often back about 2.30. I I'm get the writing done in that time mm-hmm. because that's undisturbed time. I won't answer the phone then. I won't, I'll only look at the internet in the 15-minute breaks. Um, so I go dark is, is what I call it. I go dark. You, you won't get me in that time because that's how the writing gets done. You know, if uh-huh. I let people disturb me, 
the writing won't get done. So I don't let people disturb it. I think that's fantastic. And it sounds as well like you're really leveraging um, the sort of habits as well that, you know, you know, this is how you do it. And you do it the same way each time. I, I'm not an athlete, Sarah. You've got me on the video at the moment, so you can tell that, right? But, you know, athletes, they have routines. People have routines. So you'll see sports, Sports. you can learn a lot from sports people, even though I don't, I don't like doing the sport, but I like, the, I like learning the lessons. But um, they have routines. And, um, you know, so I know, I guess I am a very in a routine. You know, I say goodbye to my wife. I get a cup of tea. I sit down. The internet mm-hmm. goes off. And actually, if I don't do that for any length of time, I get antsy. So I, I, I honestly believe it. And there are many ways... To approach writing you don't what i do would horrify a lot of people because it sounds like the terminator you know uh, the terminator's approach to writing books um, so i know that doesn't suit a lot of people um but you know i i, I know that i can get the, the writing done if i'm very formulaic like that and i get very antsy if i don't do it if i wasn't writing for sort of five or six weeks i'd be there thinking well, i need to be writing i need to be writing just like a fix i'm a mm. big believer in the power of of habit and routine um, particularly with something like writing, because, you know, I, I won't pretend. When I, when I sat down today, frankly, it would have been easier for me to doss around today. I fancied dossing around today. Uh, I was up early recording another podcast. Um, I was a bit out of routine because mm. of that. And fancy, I fancy, I, you know, I, I've worked three days this week. I fancy sitting out in the sun, to be honest uh-huh. with you. So I don't, don't ever think that I just roll up and go, you know, it's all jolly hockey sticks and all of that. Uh, mo- many days uh, I turn up and don't really feel like it, but you've got to get over that initial uh, inertia. You've got to mm-hmm. get, when, I, when I'm going, when I've done that first 1,700, that's usually the hardest. And then I'm off then. I'm And I could go, I, I think I've probably written to about eight to 9,000 sometimes, usually at the end of a book. You, you know what it's like when you just, I've got to write this. It's so exciting. <laughs> uh, I, I, when you get like that. But I, um, interestingly, on my shelf at the moment, I've got, what's his name? I've got a terrible memory for the name. Um, Chris Fox, I've got Chris Fox's book, and he he talks about increasing writing speeds even more. Now I, we always say I can't do any more words, but I sort of think, well, I could squeeze seven thousand out in that time. That that would be quite interesting. I think that might be achievable. So I am going to spend some time looking at that over summer and see if I can just maybe squeeze a little bit more out of that. But you know, when you're writing, you think that's my limit. I can't do any more than that. But actually, you can. It's like the was it the four minute mile. And then when uh, somebody beats that target, then everybody beats it because that set the standard. So I, I think you can constantly up your targets. Well, it's certainly good to challenge yourself, isn't it? Every so often, just as you say, you sort of realise that you've got this sort of self-limiting um, yes. phrase or belief. And maybe maybe it's correct, but you won't know unless you find, unless you give it a no. try. got to give it yeah. a push, haven't you? Mm. But because this podcast is called The Worried Writer, um, I'm afraid I'm going to ask you about the times when well, do you ever suffer from creative block or procrastination? And sort of when is that likely to happen for you? I suffer from all of it. I suffer terribly <laughs> oh, from self-doubt. Goodness. Oh, thank no, goodness. All of it. No, this is why it gives the impression that I'm like some terminator. See, I always say to people, don't confuse my productivity with success. Uh, um, a lot of people, I was at a podcasting conference last week and I've done, I think you know, I've done over, I've recorded over 250 episodes of, of two podcasts now. And, uh, you know, people, um, so these, these people were mainly people who haven't even started. So they're all going, Oh, wow. You know, that's incredible. That's amazing. And, um, but I, I said, well, yes, but I'm not where I want to be with the podcast. I've been doing it for two years. I'm unhappy with it. So I can recognize that it's an achievement having got to 250 episodes, but I'm not where um, I want to be. So uh, I'm, I am driven by um, uh, self-doubt. I have a lot of self-doubt. Um, I probably sound more confident than I am. It's funny, you know, I did years of broadcasting on the radio and my dad, um, my dad's dead now, but my dad always thought I was um, an exhibitionist. 
And I said, that's absolutely wrong, Dad. People on the radio are mainly introverts. That's why I don't do telly. I don't do telly. Um, I never wanted to do telly. Uh, and I remember somebody saying to me, I used to do breakfast shows, and they said, you know, you're dealing, you're broadcasting to Wembley Stadium when you do a radio show. Now, had I stood up on stage at Wembley Stadium, I'd have just died. I couldn't have done that. Uh, uh, but because when you do radio, you talk to one person. That's what they teach you. Um, you're not teaching to, you're talking to thousands, thousands of people. You talk to one person. If you're doing it right, you are. Um, and, and so uh, I never thought about the numbers. Um, it's funny, it's funny that. So no, I, I suffer from self doubt. I do, I do suffer from procrastination, but, um, I, I've realized that I've always got a cycle. So when I'm hit by something difficult, I have a very strong dip and I'm quite negative in that dip. I can be quite low in that dip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my saving graces is I don't dwell, I don't stick there. My, I, my, you can draw a graph of it. Honestly, it's it's down, um, you know, dejection, self doubt, um, and and sort of thinking I can't do this. I'm rubbish. I'm hopeless. And then it's uh, right. Okay, so what's the plan? How do we turn this into something positive? Um, uh, it, it's almost. I, I have wondered. You know, when you hear uh, about manic depressives and things like that, this is a bit manic. This is. It's like down, and then we get a plan, and then we go crazy, and we're up again. And um, hopefully, it's not manic depression but it does feel a bit manic sometimes because that's that's the trajectory i always mm-hmm. take but my thank thank goodness i, I t- always turn it into something positive you know whatever the hit is i i always i'm always a man with a plan mm-hmm. so I, I i come back and i i'm on my planning boards and i'm sort of thinking how can we get out of that but i absolutely do have that and i absolutely do have that uh constantly self-doubt is a terrible thing that i have i wish i could just get uh, rid of it you know it's a uh, really frustrating it's a uh, um you know it's a demon on your back uh-huh, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, horrible thing it is it is um but you it sounds as if you're very good at, at as you say you sort of take those feelings and you translate it into action all the time which is really great um and really admirable um in terms of if you're you were saying that you plan what you're going to write um do you ever get really stuck in a book and you don't know what you know either when you're planning or when you're drafting and if you do are there any sort of techniques that you use or any resources that you find helpful you know if you're really stuck in a story I'm becoming much more uh, confident now in my ability, but I, I think you never quite know. When, until I've done those first 5,000 words, you never quite know whether it's going to fly or die, as I say. It's, uh, you don't know which one it's going to be. Now, when I wrote the um, my first sci-fi series, I got everything completely wrong. I uh, had terrible trouble with, uh, with tenses, with voices in that, um, and had to go back and rewrite that. When I wrote my second trilogy... Uh, it went swimmingly in books one and two, and I got completely stuck at book three. I'd set off so many threads, and I looked at it, and I thought, I'm absolutely stuck here. I don't know how to bring all this together. So, um, And that was scary, actually, to have written all that and to think, oh, my God. I, I think the last book was about 80,000, 90,000 words, which was long for me at that time. And to think, I can't get out of this. I don't know how to get out of it. And um, we went away We went away to Spain um for, for, for a month which is something we were doing at that time um and i just i'm gonna have to leave this come back and think about it and i just constantly mulling over my head so if i um so the answer to the question is is that if i get stuck like that i think you have to take yourself out of it um you 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 have to you do have to put it away and you just have to forget it and i i'm a firm believer i have some of my best ideas um when i'm when i'm idle so in the shower is usually where i get my best ideas you know, 
don't know what it is, that, that state of being in the shower where you're semi-conscious almost. But I, I get a lot of solutions. And I don't to do it with computers now, but in the old days, you used to have to defragment a computer. And I always imagine it like your brain has to defragment. It just mm. has to sort the files out. And when it sorts the files out, it figures out what the solution is a lot of the time. It just sees the solution. Oh, that's what it is. That's, that's how I tie all that together. So I'm a firm believer in that. And, and I think some people call this like asking the universe. Is it Noel Edmonds does this thing? <laughs> and I, that's a bit ethereal for my taste, but it's the same principle. I think that if you, if you kind of subconsciously work on it, your brain comes up with the solution. But I'm not, I'm not sort of all you know spacey about that i just i just kind of think that's how we're wired oh definitely i'm always getting ideas in the shower and i think well i can't write it down i'm just gonna have to remember that (laughs) but it is like you say it's good for solutions isn't it It i I totally agree um so something i would really love to talk to you about is your chosen path to publication um now i know that you're an independent author and i believe that you um chose this path from the start and i'd love to hear more about about how you managed to do that, because I really admire the com- that confidence, um, the confidence to choose yourself. And I'm so filled with self-doubt, as you know, Paul, um, that I would love to know more about how you did that and any tips you have. Well, the reason for it, Sarah, is quite simply that no one will publish me properly. That's the, that's, <laughs> that's, so it is, it is derived from self-doubt. You know, so I, I, I have sent books. I started sending books out originally. And, um, you know, got the, the usual, I, to be honest with you, I didn't try very hard. And I, and I did get, um, I've had several, uh, what is it? What, 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 when they ask you for the full script, they uh-huh, say, can we yeah, have, what's, yeah. it's got a posh name, isn't it? Um, yeah. Just requesting the full, yeah. It's I've good. had a few of those and uh-huh. I sort of thought, well, if I'm getting a few of those and yeah. I can't, it, it can't be complete twaddle. Yeah. So, uh, that, that's, that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I'm, very impatient, but I'm also geeky and technical. So where many people would find immense friction in, in self-publishing and, and creating paperbacks and, and doing all the marketing, things, I have zero friction there. Uh-huh. Uh, it doesn't mean I know it all because there's loads of things I don't know. But um, I don't, um, I know because I, I teach a lot of people this stuff. I know that for some people, it's like a rabbit in the lights whenever you talk technology. They just get it. They hate it. They just can't do it. Whereas I have a facility for it. So if mm-hmm. I don't know it now. I learn it pretty quickly. It's not, mm-hmm. not going to keep me down very quickly. So I'm very, there's been a huge advantage um, as a self-publisher. So um, I like to play and try things. And I, I think I probably had a go at it. Oh, that's easy. We'll do that then. I'm not going to. I'm not going to hang around. We'll just. We'll just get on with it. Now, the the fortunate thing with my first books is that they were written. Um, you're, you're in Fife, I think, aren't you? You're in uh-huh. uh, you know, the secret bunker oh, down yes. at, at Strother. Yeah. Um, so that's what the first book was based on and I, I had a lovely advantage and it sounds very clever but it wasn't planned at all I, I only thought I'd better tell them that I'd written these books in case they decided to take a legal action against me when they found that I had so I sent them copies as a courtesy and said I've written these books about the bunker and um, they 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 have since day one been all over them and excited by it and they bought 90 copies and put them in the in the, in the book and they now um, order them They've got the hang of it now because I think they they bought all three copies, but they've worked out now that you need the sausage or the stick. You do book one. That's book one's the one that sells. So they order thirty copies a time um, and put them in the bookshop, which is which is fantastic. And they keep doing that. And every time the summer season comes, they replenish the shelves. And I think it's um I, I we'll talk about reviews maybe later. I know you don't read your reviews, but I did read my, my reviews last week, and um, they've reviewed it, saying it's uh, one of the best selling uh, books in the shop, which is great. Oh, you know, that's great. Which is fabulous for them, isn't it? And uh, it's probably because there's so many rainy days up there and everybody needs something to read and they're stuck in their holiday lodges. But, I don't know uh, what you mean, Paul. It's beautiful sunshine <laughs> here. 
24 7. <laughs> <laughs> but the secret bunker love it when it rains because it's oh, an indoor. Of course, it's an indoor attraction. Oh. Yeah, they love it. They're, they're packed when it rains. But uh, yeah, so um, I think really that there was no friction um, or very little friction. And I do like I do like the geeky stuff. I, I, I understand also that doing that sort of distracts from the writing and the other things because I do uh-huh. I can get lost down that rabbit hole uh, sometimes because it's mm. so enjoyable to me, so relaxing to be doing that sort of thing. Um, but I think I think that's why. But also. Um, in the time that it took me to get the secret bunker out there and selling, my sister was writing at the same time. She was doing um, much more sort of heavy duty uh, uh, children's books where she was painting the, the images. And she'd sent those to, to five illustrators. And in, in the time it took her to get the, her five knockbacks, I was selling books and writing the next lot. Uh-huh. And, and, that, and that made me think, no, do you know what? I'm, I'm not hanging around for you. If I have a great book, you'll come to me anyway. Uh-huh. You'll come, come to me. So you'll be banging at my door. Um, so that's my policy now. Yeah. The speed to market thing is incredibly um, intoxicating because I, you know, that I've dipped my toe in, in the independent waters, and being able to control things was great. And I'm like you, I'm not, I'm not, I don't certainly, I'm not as technical as you, no doubt, but I'm, I'm very, I'm not afraid of it. I'm quite happy to, to learn what I need to learn. It doesn't, you know, it's not a barrier. Um, but the speed of being able to write this thing and get it edited and get the cover made and then get it in the stores um compared with my experiences of you know working with my wonderful agent and my wonderful publishers but it does all take so flipping long (laughs) so it's ridiculous i I met somebody it must have been about four years ago she was she self-published a science fiction book i won't mention any names she self-published a science fiction book and was making sales she she wanted to be traditionally published and she got she got a great deal but i remember when she got the deal she said it won't be published for something like a year and a half i thought a year and a half you could have got Five books out there in that time would be make, making money, and and if they if they um, if your book doesn't make sales, they're dropping you, and you've given them all that time. So my policy is, um, I haven't done it yet, but at some point I hope if I keep working at it, I will write a book that people love. You only need one. You just need to keep mm. releasing them out there. You only need one, and then they'll be all over me when that happens, and then all my back catalogue will sell mm. them. It's mm. like pop star who had. As their breakthrough album, uh-huh. and, and then you discover, oh, they had three albums beforehand, and they're in the the one pound, you know, in Woolworths as it was then. Um, you didn't know that they did all this stuff beforehand, and everybody's all over it when they they discover the good stuff that you do. So I, I sort of think you're just putting assets out into the world, and at some point, hopefully, my skills and my marketing and the market will align, and I might get that breakthrough book. Absolutely. No, I love that. And it's, I find it very encouraging because it's something that's under our control, isn't it, as well? And like you say, putting those things out there and hopefully building over time and hoping for that lightning strike on one of them at some point. Yeah. I just wondered, how do, you, how do you see your career going forward? Not so much in terms of business, but in terms of would you, for example, take a traditional deal um, or would you think, no, again, route to market much quicker, I'll stay independent? I think I would I would take a traditional deal and I, I, I would do anything that moved my writing craft on uh-huh. and, and moved my sales on. So I think I, I I need to learn more about writing. I mm. I know that. You know, I'm not I'm not a we perfect all do. writer. Yeah. <laughs> I I seem to be a good enough writer, but I'm not you know, I know I got so much learned. I know I make mistakes in, in, in writing and I, I probably know what a lot of those mistakes are. But I, I feel like I would like now i feel like i would like a mentor i would like somebody who um, would support me in my 
sort of personal development mm. and growth because to me that's how i'm going to move the, the needle with this um uh, i i can i can do the work i can put the effort in i've got the creativity I, i've got all those things mm-hmm. um which which to a certain extent you know set you apart from the person who's always good to write a book but never does so i could do the work but i don't have the the skills or the craft yet to write the book i think that's good to be the the kind of the breakthrough book so uh, with that in mind, I have become much more receptive to this idea of being a hybrid, um, but it would have to be the right person. When I think of the traditional industry, I think of sort of posh people looking down their nose at the poor quality of my work, you know, and, and that that's how I imagine the traditional industry. I, I need someone who's going to sort of nurture back and support. Mm-hmm. If I don't get that, um, then this is my problem, not theirs. I'll be quite prickly about it. Um, it's, it all comes from, you know, te- teachers, uh, um, you know, humiliating and things like that. I, I need the right kind of mm. mentor. And if I get the right kind of mentor, I'll fly. If I get the wrong one, I'll get very prickly and, and, and defensive. Would you consider an agent for that role? Or because, you know, you tend to, if you get the right one, then you stay with one agent, um, whereas editors move around and so on. I would if I thought it offered the solution. So I, I've done the agent rounds. I went mm. to the Festival of Writing at York for a couple of years, which is very, very traditional. I was like some weirdo uh, <laughs> as, a, as a self-publisher. I couldn't believe. And there were people there, Sarah, who was a lady I remember speaking to. She'd been working four years on a book, constantly revising when she came back to the Festival of York. I said, for goodness sake, get the blasted thing out there, write another one, then <laughs> yes. write another one. Uh-huh. You know, And here you are waiting for these agents every year. Something's not quite right. You know, I'm not playing that game. I ain't playing that game. Um, I'm not doing that. I refuse to do that because, in spite, you know, I know I know my books aren't perfect, but like with my Don't Tell Meg trilogy, you know, I've shifted thousands and thousands and thousands of those, books, right? Mm. And that's what an unsuccessful self-published writer looks like. And um, I spoke to somebody at a festival I went to who, in two years, has made ten quid out of her her traditionally self-published book. And I said I make more than that in a day without doing anything. You know? oh. So don't. So I know I'm not doing as much as I want, but I'm no way I'm settling for that just because it's traditional. Mm. I'm not settling for that. I think that's see, really... Mm, sorry, I, down. Yeah, I, I interrupted you there because I get very excited about this because it's such an empowered thing to hear and I want, um, I want more people to say, more writers to have this attitude of valuing despite the self-doubt, alongside the self-doubt. It's not saying that you think that you're perfect, but alongside that you are saying, I have a certain value and I'm not going to devalue what I offer and because ultimately we are the talent but so often I hear fellow um, authors they, they speak in a very disempowered way and I do it as well I'm not certainly mm. and I but I'm annoying myself by doing it and so yeah. I, I love the fact that you are so clear on the fact that you do have value and um, something of value to offer um, and that leads me into um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, um, apart from your general loveliness, um, is that um, you've, you're very, very open on your podcast. And I do, again, urge anybody who's even slightly interested in the nitty gritty of running an author business to listen immediately. I will put, not immediately, after this. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, but because there's so many myths, there's so much uh, secrecy in the traditional world. Um, and that leads to the kind of thing like, 
like you say, you you know, you spoke to somebody who is traditionally published but really not making any money. Um, and it's not the most important thing to everybody. But if it is important to you, if money is at all important to you, um, I, I think they should listen to your podcast. Um, because you're always saying that you're you know, not very successful as an independent. Um, and yes, you're not an outlier. You're not at the moment yet. You're not a Hugh Howey or um, a Barbara Freethley or whatever. But you do make money at this. Um, so I know, for example, you shared um, a wee while ago that you got a book bub on your one of your thrillers, I think it was. And, um, and I don't know if, again, because uh, there's all this secrecy when we're saying about doing well or selling some books, but I was wondering if you'd be willing to share how much you made when you got that BookBub deal. Yeah, it was a, a complete game changer for me, uh, Sarah, the, the BookBub. So, um, and, and the figures uh, amazed me, actually. So they, they actually, they're going to put me, so I, I rate myself as unsuccessful. But you know that, you know that last report that came out a couple of weeks ago? Um, that said uh, traditional authors are earning this average amount it's going to mean I earn more than that this year so that feels like a <laughs> that feels like a, a breakthrough that's for, a success for me, yeah. yeah feels like it yeah so let me just go I'm just going to get my book report up and I, I can very quickly sort of tell you I can tell you what the numbers were uh-huh. um, for this so just bear in mind I scroll through it of course but the, the, the book bub I, I wanted a book bub and um, was working sort of let's say I was working very hard for it I think I was lucky I got one on the um, with the thriller, I think I got it the first time of trying actually with the thriller, and it had a rubbish cover on. I say r- rubbish one, but it was one done by me. It wasn't rubbish, but it wasn't it wasn't professionally designed. It was just me me uh, bootstrapping again, um, and 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 it was not wide, so it was only in in KU. So all the things I shouldn't have done, um, I got through with the book bub. Now, so the month I, I had the book bub on the thirtieth of October, but in the month from November the first to November the thirtieth. Uh, that made me um, £4,178 that month, um, which is all right, isn't it? So, <laughs> uh, uh, And that was all from uh, that, that trilogy. Uh-huh. And, and, then, and so what I then had was um, I had a couple of months after that. I thought the tail off would be quicker, so I knew I'd have a big month. So I think I earned something like it was something like a thousand and something in October because we had the two days of the book bub. Then it, that was my that was my biggest month, four thousand. And then it was a thousand and something in between a thousand and two thousand for a couple of months. And now it's down to about five hundred, I think it is something like that. So, um, so so it has gone down over time. But my my uh, wife works part time term time, and my first sort of salary threshold. So it's not an awful. Not an awful lot a year, but my first target is to try and beat that because that's a tangible amount of income that somebody brings into this house. That I can mm-hmm. say, right, well, I'm earning more than that now. That has to be a, you have to go out to work to do that. My books, my book, which I wrote in 2017, could do that for me. Now, something uh-huh. I wrote two years ago could do that for me, which is which is great. Oh, definitely. No, it's fantastic. And I mean, a lot of people don't even realise that you can apply for a book bub without being a big publisher. You know that, so it's it's that kind of thing where you and I um, read a lot and listen a lot and 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 research a lot about the independent world, but a lot of people don't, and they don't even realise that these things are even remotely possible. And I think that all kind of feeds into this idea. I mean, that, like I say, all these myths. Like if you have a traditional publisher, they will do all the marketing for you. Now, of course, occasionally that happens. I think there must be a handful of authors for which that, you know, for whom that happens. But generally speaking, that is really not the case. Um, no. So I just think it's really great to hear that. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and congratulations. <laughs> yes, I was pleased with that one. That paid a few bills. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I, I take it, you know, BookBub, something you'd recommend, something you're looking for again. 
well, I've just got another one. So uh, ye- ye- yesterday, I think it was, I just got another one. So um, so when you get a book, Bob, you can't apply for six months. Mm-hmm. You have to wait six months. So I applied last month, but I had um, I was getting because that book is the one that's flying. So, to, you know, to me, it's like well, I've market tested that I have other books, but people seem to like these. It works because it's a trilogy. So when I did the book, Bub, the reason I, I made so much on that. So I you give away book one for free. That's completely free. And then I packaged it up so you, you could buy book two or book three separately. Um, the ninja move, which I, I am recommending to people, is that I put book two and three together as a bundle and price that differently to the box set of three. So I've actually got, you know, there's five products available there. I'm going to do something else ninja in the next one because I've learned some lessons now. Um, so uh, to squeeze, you know, because this is like your big, was it M&M says, is your one shot. It's your one shot. You know, as a small author, when you get a book bub, it's your one shot. You've got to squeeze every little bit of juice out of that that you can because no one's going to love me again for another six months. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's how it's good to be. And, and I, I have, I've had increased income from that last book book for the last six months. And when I do this one, that's going to increase my income for the next six months. But also it's move, it moves up. Um, I hate using these phrases, corporate moves the needle for me. It, it moved me from, um, you know, about a hundred pounds a month to mm. sort of, you know, 500 a month. It moved me up, um, in a way that feels like that bit's lasting now. Um, that feels like that's a permanent change. So I need to move it up again, and hopefully this will do it um, by another notch. Interestingly, so um, they knocked me back first time, um, and I, I just did exactly the same thing as last time. So I submitted them with my dodgy covers, and I was in KU uh, Select. Yeah, I've, been, I've only been doing it for four years. I can't remember all the phrases. Uh, KDP Select, that's what I'm trying to say, KDP Select. And then, so they, they knocked that back. That was a huge disappointment because I'd been waiting six months and I was very disappointed at that. And so I had these covers on order from Stuart Basher. Because those books go well, it then, in, in terms of bootstrapping, it made sense to me because I got, I got data that said those books sell and people like mm-hmm. them. It made sense to me to pay to get covers on because if the covers are better, I'll sell more of them, hopefully. So that, that was the, the idea with that. So I've paid 1,250 to get three covers done on these books and made them look beautiful. And so when I resubmitted to BookBub this month, I was straight in there the month after. Um, and, uh, they got, and I said, uh, everything was the same except the covers were different, which I pointed out to them in the comments. And this time I've gone wide. So I, I've distributed the books for the first time on Google, iTunes, Kobo, Barnes and Noble. So I've gone wide this time, which I know BookBub prefers. And they've let me, they've let me straight in again. Now I, I know that this is not a typical experience. So I'm very, lucky. I'm very lucky that I am. Um, but that, you know, if you want to know a strategy, that was it. The only strategy I can give you is put something, when it says any comments, put something in the comments. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. but, uh, and, and then uh, I could change. I changed covers. I, I gave them something new. I, I came mm-hmm. to them with something mm-hmm. new. I said, we did 45,000 last time. Um, I've got new covers. I've got gone wide. Let's give it another try kind of thing. And so, um, they, they, they took me up on it. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's about I mean, trying different things, but also keeping on trying. You know, that's, it's person. I think whichever route you're in this game, um, perseverance is, is key. Um, so in terms of what's, we're, we're sort of, I know I'm keeping an eye on the time, but, um, I'd love to know what's sort of next for you in terms, because obviously you're a big planner and you have income goals. Um, what are you going to be doing next to try and achieve your goals? Will it be continuing on your kind of process of writing more 
uh, releasing quick, well, you know, reasonably quick, well, very quickly, really? Um, or will you be focusing more on marketing through e-while or concentrating down on one genre? Or what, what's the plan for Paul? Well, I mean, you'll know because you listen to my podcast. So I had I took a bit of a knock recently. And I know this is crazy because um, um, the two podcast episodes I've just done, which were was and it sounded like it was about to jump off a cliff. I honestly wasn't. <laughs> but but I, I I thought long and hard about it and thought, you know, I had to tell people this stuff because the reason I started my podcast was because I heard people making zillions of dollars and it all seemed so effortless. And 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 that wasn't where I was. That wasn't my experience. And I wanted to do a podcast that was sort of in the trenches, uh, not earning very much money at all. And I wanted to reflect the frustrations of that. And I wanted to be as honest as possible. When I I had done, I'd had a couple of great things happen to me. I, I, I mean, I get to speak on stage for Amazon. They let me, um, and this is only, this is only networking. It's not because I'm great or selling loads of books. It's because, um, oh, it's because I live in the North. That's the only reason I do. <laughs> it is, um, Orna, uh, Orna Ross at the Alliance of Independent Authors. I think I'm the only person she knows in the North. So, uh, they needed somebody to speak in Manchester. And because I've done some, um, training for them, you know, she knows I can, get a sentence out uh or two so uh, she just asked would i step in so it's only because i'm in the north that i get to do these things but i get to share the stage with amazing authors who are just doing incredible things and i was on with lj ross who's just sold zillions of books and you know she's lovely she's fantastic she's talented um uh, but but i i and i thoroughly enjoyed it it was a privilege but i left feeling a bit deflated thinking well you know, louise started writing the same year as i did and look what she's done this is not about Louise. This is about me and how I feel. And and I just felt a bit deflated thinking, so she's doing amazingly. And look, look where I am. Oh. Rubbish. So um, I'm not doing uh, well enough. And then there was something else that happened after. Oh, I know. Um, somebody that I met at the 20 Books event in, in February, the last thing I said to him, because um, we'd, we'd been out, and he, he works and works and works. I don't begrudge him his success. He totally deserves it. I mean, I know this guy's been through, you know, agonies. I know that the money's been short. You know, I know all the suffering mm-hmm. this guy's gone through. But he had a 60-something thousand dollar pounder, sorry, I beg your pardon, three months. Um, and he's done that since February. Uh-huh. And, and I don't begrudge him any of that because yeah. he deserves it. But there is that feeling is when will my turn come? Um, I, I need, you know, I need a bit of that, please. Um, because it feels like I'm just working, 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 and I just need a little bit of that. And then you see, I did that podcast episode, and, and I, um, you'll, you'll know this from your podcast. There's nothing like podcasts for creating um, relationships with listeners. Absolutely uh-huh. amazing. Loads of messages as a result of that. I've never had a better episode for response from people. And and, and people sort of say, well, I, you know, I listen to you, and I'm envious of where you are. There's always There's always somebody who's envious of where you are, and I'm beating myself up because I think I'm – rubbish and doing terribly mm-hmm. so I, I i do understand that and and um i sort of felt the need to explain it afterwards is that you know this is just how i am this is this is what motivates me i'm not down in in the doldrums for very long uh you know it's not it's not um i, I would like not to have that cycle but i have observed it's a cycle um it's a cycle in my life and it is very it is very brief um that time on the bottom um and it always it, it, this is why i think why i'm so productive because this is how i feel like i'm making progress all the time with productivity um you know but that that's just kind of how it is isn't it we, we were we're wired how we're wired mm. and we have to do the best with what we've got but you're working with it i mean the comparing thing i mean i'm not surprised that that struck such a chord that um that particular episode and um, because we all i mean certainly everyone i've spoken to um, and i certainly do it it's you have those times when 
why isn't that me? <laughs> um, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> and I, I've done this before, Sarah. When I when I tried to get into radio, so the first radio show I ever did, I used to do discos. When I was 16, I built a disco with a friend, and I, I and I used to write for the school magazine. And all of a sudden, I sort of thought, well, radio would bring all these things together. And because I was doing a disco, a friend um, of my dad's did a hospital radio show in, in Scunthorpe. She couldn't make it one week. She said, oh, your son does this stuff. Does he want to have a go at it? So I did a half-hour show. It was terrible. I've still got it on a cassette tape. It's a terrible, this terrible show. And then, you know, when you do something, you think, this is it. This brings everything together that I love doing. And so I wanted to get into radio from that moment. Everything I did, I, I, had, I did teaching. and everything, I just wanted to get into radio. It took me from the age of 18 until I was 26 to get into radio. And I, I did student radio um, for four years. My degree was four years. And then I kept my foot in the door because it was my last connection with radio mm-hmm. i thought if i stop doing this every week on a sunday i've lost my connection with radio and it will never happen i remember there sitting there because i was teaching at the time and, and, and doing a job and i'm sitting there on a sunday evening broadcasting probably to no one and, and sort of wanting to cry because i just thought i'm so desperate for this and it's just not happening and and, and i dare sever this ridiculous link because if i do it feels like the dream's over and 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 that's kind of how I that's how I felt with writing at that moment, just sort of sort of crushed and and just desperately wanted it, desperately yes. wanted. Yes. Oh yes. You know, and, and and it's hard. You know, I think most people sort of feel like we stick our necks on the line with radio. You know, you stick your neck on the line. Thousands of people, they've all got an opinion on whether they like you and whether you sound nasally or whatever. They've all got a blooming opinion, just like with with writing. Oh. And you stick your neck on the chopping block, chopping block. You know, every. Every day, uh, uh, subject yourself to sort of criticism and people's opinions. There's nothing like it. I don't know why I do it. It must be some, some sort of sick driver, you know, because you could just scuttle away and work in an office and no one would ever bother you, would they? So, <laughs> There's but, something uh, wrong with us, Paul. Why are we doing this to ourselves? We are, but we're, dr- we're driven by yes, it. Like, uh-huh. We're absolutely driven by it. So, um, so I know I've, I've got that drive and I'll just probably keep, I'll keep going. I'll just keep going, which is what I did with radio. And I had, so I had a lovely, I had an 18 year career in radio. I loved every minute of it. Um, for the sake of, you know, eight years, uh-huh. of keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And, and I just sort of think, well, I've done this before. I'm halfway through my eight year, you know, I'm four years into my eight years and it took me to get into the BBC. So just keep going, just keep going. I've done it before. I know it works. I, the honesty that the thing, I know some people have luck with this and, and the planets align, but persistence seems to be the one thing that comes through time and time again. Just keep going, just get better, just keep putting the next step forward. Seems to be the way. Oh, fantastic. Well, on that note, <laughs> I could talk to you all afternoon and I'm, you've certainly given me a shot of uh, motivation for the day. So thank you for that. Uh, just to finish up, where can people find out more about you and your books? Okay, so probably the best place to connect with me is um, is through the podcast for writers so that's at selfpublishingjourneys.com uh, and then if you just want to get a quick sort of flash of the books because i do non-fiction sci-fi dystopian and thrillers if you go to paulteague.net then you can find all the books listed there and my surname is spelt t-e-a-g-u-e as in league brilliant well i will put the links in the show notes but thank you so much for your time it has been lovely to talk to you fantastic thanks for inviting me on sarah Thanks for listening today. For show notes and links, head to worriedwriter.com. If you'd like to connect, find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter or use the hashtag worriedwriter. See you next time.